0: So, yeah, I'm going to try to get right into things here because I I, I feel like there's a lot to cover. Uh, This is lesson, uh, I think it's number 37. We are on the second week where we're covering chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Now, last week we really didn't look at the verses much other than reading them off the start, but last week was a real um, contextual study. I'm trying to bring these verses into the the broader context. Let me read our verses again um, uh, today, except I'm going to back up and include verse 12, because we want to... um, Actually, let me start with verse 11, because we want to include Job this morning um, in our context study. So I'm going to read from 11 down through 18. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath. But your yes is to be yes, and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? That he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, there's a lot to cover in that, and um, and we'll see what, how much we can really cram through today. Um, but, uh, but I just want to kind of rem- remind us of the context we looked at last week. That in the in in James' overall letter, we said the theme has to do with patience uh, and endurance through trials, um, and we said that uh, that James consistently points out that there are worthwhile results of that patient endurance. There's a fruitful production. If you think of the farmer that he they just talked about in verse seven, um, we also talked about the fact that there is. A, a contrast between uh pride and humility consistently throughout the book of james and we we noted particularly last week that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble and we said God is not opposed to the proud because he he dislikes them it's it's that the pride gets in the way of of what he would uh of, of, of what how he would 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 bless them graciously um and so there's something to do here with uh the removal of pride, maybe we could say and um and uh so we want to now uh look just a little bit at job so um if you if you want to turn to job chapter twenty seven uh, we' we'll read a little verse there, but otherwise, I'm just gonna kinda of talk about it um and I wanted to ask a question, you know what is uh typically one of our first responses to a trial um you know a lot of times we're, we're kind of saying, "Well, this isn't fair. You know, why is this happening to me? I, I don't deserve this." And um, and there's there's a, there's a little, or maybe a lot of, uh, of of merit mentality in that kind of thinking. Um, there's there's pride in that that I don't deserve this. Uh, what what good thing do you have in you that does you know that would uh, merit you know, not deserving this? But um, but I want to think about. Job, because James is very intentional in bringing up him up here, and this is the immediate context of what we're looking at. So I think it's really important um, to think about. Um, and, and we can think about how did how did Job respond to his trial initially. We know his, his words in Job 1.21. <coughs> naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, I came into this world deserving nothing. I still don't deserve anything. Uh, no, no merit mentality, no pride that we see in that. And, um, but after, uh, a, a, quite a long time of his friends accusing him of wrongdoing, um, you know, and, and, and kind of this long-term grind, this trial that just dragged on and on and his friends are just, you know, wearing him down. What does Job begin to do? Well, he begins to defend himself, and and this is where I want to look at Job twenty seven uh, verses uh, two uh, to six. And um, in verse two, Job begins his defense with an oath. That's why this is key to what James is saying. In in verse two of chapter twenty seven, Job says, "As God lives," and um, and to. To quickly summarize um, what he's saying here, um, if we were to just look at the first part of verse six, essentially, as God lives, I will or I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. Um Joe has moved into uh full fledged self defense. Um and he and he does it with an oath. Now, um you know, perhaps if you've been in that kind of uh position or situation of of a false accusation, um, it's it's very easy to begin to swear uh by something. You know, I swear I'm innocent. I swear I didn't deserve it. Or I swear I, I don't deserve what's happening to me. And um and and what James says here is like you don't need to swear. You know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um and and I think um that that's why uh, that's why that's why James is bringing this up. Um, you know, James in this context has has been describing believers who are being mistreated. Um, and like I said, it's a powerful temptation to to start to defend yourselves in a situation like that um and and, and to say, you know, I don't deserve this, i or I deserve better than this, you know, but but, as I said, when the word deserve kind of enters into our speech we should realize that we're speaking out of the old nature and there's pride there. There's that, there's that sinful pride of, of life. Pride is exerting itself because we're essentially in a suffering situation. We're essentially beginning to blame God for being unfair in his dealings with us. And, and what's interesting about this, when we see that kind of mentality pop up in our lives, when we, when we recognize that, that self, um, it's the, the trial has begun begun to accomplish a very important purpose because self is being exposed, and um, and and the first step to growth is recognizing the self life for what it is. Uh, I, I was listening to those Miles Stanford recordings that that Mike came across here. I don't know if he, as he told all of you about them. There's a three recordings that that he came across, and I've been listening to them. and And uh, Miles said something to this effect. He said the self life. Um, or sorry in the his tape called the self life he he said god 's primary aim in the life of the believer is to reveal the self life and he does this through everyday circumstances and I thought that really fits what we 're talking about here these long term trials self becomes quite evident so so um <clears throat> let 's uh well let 's talk let 's just mention quickly that job um he did hit that point but what was his his ultimate response and and i think all of us when we see the sin nature for what it is when we see self um, responding like job did i swear uh you know i'll hold to my righteousness um, but then god exposes that for for what it is and in job 40 job says behold i am insignificant what can i reply to you yeah. And in chapter 42, verse three, he says, I have declared that which I did not understand things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. So, um, so that gives us a little bit more of the context that James has in mind here. I think that's important to what we're looking at today. Um, and I tried to kind of rush through the notes I put on there cause we need to get into the sort of the verse by verse. So we, we've spent a lot of time now digging into the context. Um, and uh and now we want to try to uh take those contextual observations and, and see how they um, they shape our understanding of these verses. So when we come to this passage in in James 5, uh, you know most of us immediately begin by importing some meaning into the text. Uh and some of that is because of wrong assumptions about a couple of key words. Um and, and we'll deal with those today. But our biggest problem is that we tend to take the verses out of the greater context that James has established. So let's let's look at verse 13. Um, uh, in the first the first part of verse 13, James says, "Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray." And the first thing, you know what? I have a PowerPoint for this. Sorry, I'm uh, in, in all a rush here. I, uh, I I realize I'm not sharing my screen. Uh, here, let's do that. The review portion, of course, didn't have a PowerPoint. So Um, the first thing that we that we notice here is uh, that we should notice is that James does not say what we are to pray for. But, you know, we almost instinctively insert the idea um, into there that we should pray for the trial to be removed. At least that that's my in in how many times I've read this in the past. It just seems natural. right? Like, right. well, you got a trial. are <laughs> suffering. Let's pray that it end. right? <laughs> yeah. so that's what right. we do every Sunday before right. uh, Sunday school, right? How, so, how many trials um, do we pray continue on? Lord, please, yeah. please continue that trial. <laughs> you know, but I don't think we can afford to make that assumption. Um, you know, because let's think about the context that we've been studying. James' main theme uh, is enduring trials patiently, not getting out of them. He's never talked about that, right? James' <laughs> uh Has not talked about praying for the end of trials, but he has talked previously about praying in the midst of trials. Okay, so in James one five through six, he says, "But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who with, who <clears throat> gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him." Um, but he must ask in faith, without within faith, without any doubting. So um, it's it's interesting that uh that phrase let him ask is in the imperative mood um in other words he must ask could it be that James is coming back to this imperative command here uh it, it, is, it seems to me like it is so um now I don't know if you still have your printout from last week that we marked up um but in the if you do in the margin by uh, James 15 sorry James 5 verse 13 um you could just mark in. One verse five in the margin, um, where it says he must pray. Uh, You can just mark in one verse five. There may be a connection there. But what does praying for wisdom have to do with being in a trial? We're going to come to that, back to that at the end of the lesson. But for now, just make the mental note that in that in chapter three, when we were there, James talked about you remember wisdom from above, and he said that it is full of good fruit. Wisdom from above is full of good fruit. So we'll come back to that. But let's move on to the second part of verse three so <clears throat> here he says is any is anyone among you cheerful he is to sing praises um now cheerful is an interesting verb uh youth a male and the first part you uh, comes from uh, has the idea of do well and the last part uh thumas uh is the word wrath, or it that, that idea, wrath, or fierceness. Now, if you look it up in the, in the dictionaries, most of the Greek dictionaries will tell you something to be of good cheer, to be in good spirits, and that's the way it's translated here, is anyone among you cheerful? Um, but I want to look at uh, the only other use of this word in, uh, in the New Testament, and it comes up in Acts 27, uh, verse 25. Actually, it's used twice in in um in verse twenty two and verse twenty five so we see two uses of the word. We're just going to look at verse uh, twenty five um, where paul these are Paul's spoken words recorded by um Luke and he said uh, on the uh, on the ship remember the ship that was um was falling apart and and they were near land and and they were going to have to make a swim for it and he says, therefore, keep up your courage, men." For I believe God. For I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. So that phrase, "Keep up your courage," is the same word as James here uses is uh, when he says, "Is anyone among you cheerful?" So um, I find it interesting that um, that these men in, in Acts twenty-seven find themselves in, a, in an intensely harrowing situation, and it's in this context where Paul uses the word youth the male." And I I think that fits with the context uh, in James. It sounds to me like like James is telling us that if a believer is encouraged or of good courage in the midst of a trial, he is to praise God. So I think we could possibly summarize verse 13 um, kind of this way, that James is commanding, because it's in the imperative, that when a believer finds himself in a trial, he is to do two things – he is to pray uh, asking God for wisdom that he needs and and if that believer is encouraged in the midst of the trial, he is to sing praise and and I think that that understanding the verse that way leaves open uh, a, a bit of an open-ended question what if he is not encouraged? What if he is not of, of good courage right? right So now we move in now we move into verses 14 and 15. Does that help set up the context in your mind? Yeah. That no, great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. So let's let's read verses fourteen and fifteen A. Um now these are the verses that get people all confused. If we were to narrow just pinpoint the, the kind of the key verses that, that where people really um get confused, this is it. So um uh so James says, Is anyone among you sick? We're gonna deal with that word then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, you know, many sincere people in their effort to be biblical come to these verses thinking that they know what it means, and they attempt to apply it. And frankly, I don't blame them. These verses, the way they've been translated, seem like they should have a very simple, straightforward interpretation. Right. Um So people take this as what it appears to be. It, it appears to be a promise of physical healing. And, and frankly, when they don't get that, they're often crushed. Um But if we're going to take the, these verses in a sense of physical healing, then, then we better read carefully because verse 14 has an imperative command in it. Now, the NASB that's on the screen is one of the only translations that actually translates that as an imperative. Um, is anyone when you say, then he must call for the elders right. of the church, right? Every every single translation that I looked at besides NASB actually put something in there like, let him call, or he should call. Right. <laughs> and, and frankly, those are terrible renderings of an imperative verb. Um, so, so why have they translated it that way? Why, why is that? And, and I think, frankly, it's because they know that it doesn't work like this. Um, they know full well that the text has never been proved out to be an absolute promise of healing, so they soften the text. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they <laughs> you know, they take what what right. is an imperative mood and they make it sound like it's an option. Oops. You know, and, and the passage the passage kind of gets interpreted this way. It's it's almost like you know if you're really really sick and and just don't seem to be getting better, then uh, maybe try calling the elders. You know, see if that works. <laughs> right? I mean that's the way I've heard it talked about. I'm not trying to mock, but that's kind of Yeah. Right so down. you know, so, so it, it happens that, that, that people call in the elders when you know, when they have terminal cancer and there's nothing mm-hmm. left the doctors can do and right. and sadly what's the result? Usually a crushing discouragement, a crushing disappointment, you know, and and all because a a really poor translation made it seem like a promise of physical healing. And it's, and it's not, I, I, I I don't believe that it is. Um, Now, now don't get me wrong. I I do firmly believe that God can and does physically heal people even today. And and, and sometimes it's miraculous, but I do not believe that this here is a formula for physical healing. Um, Now, if I'm going to say that, I'd really better back that up from the text and and I I I'm not trying to force fit my theology in here. Um, you know, I I I have genuinely had to struggle with this passage. Um, I, I grew up in a denomination that that practices this to more or less degree for physical healing. Um, I know people that hold to this <clears throat> interpretation as physical healing. Uh um, you know, I've had to carefully consider it. Um but but I, I I don't believe that that that's what the the promise is. So um so we want to deal with some of these important words here, and the first one I want to deal with is anointing, because it's less key, we'll deal with it first, and then we'll come back to the sick. But you know, we hear the word anointing and it and it colors our thinking because we usually start thinking about religious ritual. Um it, whether that's uh, a catholic background or a charismatic background or whether you're just thinking about the old testament where you know uh, kings were anointed and, and so forth and it's a ritual the word uh, here for anointing is alepho and if you look that up in the greek dictionary it just says to anoint and that's not a lot of help because we still don't really know what we mean by anoint right um, although we know that it has the idea of, of to you know, put oil on or smudge oil or so forth. Um, and we could spend a lot more time here, but I'm, I'm not going to. Um, however, the use of the word Alepho in the New Testament does give us a little help. And, and two key passages, um, that, that we could look at would be, uh, Luke 7 verse 46, but we're going to look today at Matthew 6, uh, verse, verses 17, 16 and 17. And in Matthew 6, Um, Jesus refers to anointing with oil as just a a common part of personal hygiene. Um, So he says there: whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full, but you, when you fast, anoint your heads and wash your face. So apparently anointing your head is in the same category as washing your face. So that, that context should help shape our understanding at least a little bit. Um, and we can ask the question, does James have in mind ritual anointing or common mm-hmm. hygiene? You know, now, frankly, it's, it's hard to say based on word meeting alone. In this text, now you will find there are different words for anointing, and that alepho does tend to be the, the word that is used for just this this mundane um, uh, kind of hygiene kind of thing. But this doesn't seem to me to be quite enough information to delineate just on um, how he's used the word, whether this is uh, ritual or um, or 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 not. Um, but it's important to know that, um, that there at, is at least the potential that James is talking about something other than ritual anointing. Just so that our, 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 the, um, kind of mindset doesn't gravitate towards this ritual ceremony automatically. But, yes, please. Um, you know, a couple of things. One, J. Vernon McGee really hits the nail on the head saying the anointing is not for healing. And Mm-hmm. Since I'm jumping ahead a bit, but if you go to 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick, right? Because anyway, just a yes. box there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, excellent point. I know. That we're going to leave, frankly, a lot of meat on the bones this morning. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more that could be said, and I, and I appreciate that, Bob. Thank you. So, um, but let's look at the word sick now. So the word Thick is really important to a proper interpretation of this passage. And the word sick in the English appears in both verses 14 and 15 in most English translations. Um, But there's a different Greek word behind each. So we want to look at those. So and that's maybe a little bit surprising to realize there's two different words. And they have just translated it sick in both cases. You better have a good reason to do that. Let's look at that. So um, in verse 14 uh 14, the Greek word is asteneo, and a being the Greek negation, and st- uh, stenos being strength. Now, we looked at that last week um, in, in its connection, and we'll talk about this in a second to verse uh 8. But a straightforward rendering would be just without strength or weak. So, you should probably write the words without strength right. in, in the margin above the word "sick" because that's the, the most direct literal translation um, you know now now, before we get too excited maybe about that and saying, "Oh look, it doesn't mean sick at all," it is important to understand that the word is often used to mean physical sickness in the New Testament um, in the gospels, for instance, astanao almost always means physically sick. So um, primarily in in Matthew and John, um, we see it used that way. However, um, when we get to the epistles, we see that Paul almost never uses Athenaeum for physical sickness. There's only two places where where Paul does that, um, in uh, Philippians 2, 27 and 28, and 2 Timothy 4.20. But Paul almost always uses Athenaeum in the sense of without strength. And one example is in Romans 14, verse 1. He says, Now accept the one who is weak. That's the word right there. Astanael, weak in faith, <clears throat> but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. So so we're left with the question, what is the best translation of Astinao in this verse? Is it sick or without strength? <clears throat> now, James hasn't used the word astanael anywhere else, so we don't know from co- immediate context how he uses it, but he did use the word, um, uh, the uh, the positive form of the word for strengthen, as we mentioned in verse 8. Now, if somebody was talking to you and used the word strengthen, uh, and then a few sentences later used the word without strength, I, I think we would naturally uh, interpret that as having a connection. We talk about you know strength in your hearts, uh, but if you're without strength, then da, 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 I think we would naturally make a, connect, a connection. So I think it's critical to keep uh, in, in in mind the, the context of of how James has, has used that word. Now we're going to come back to this again at the, at the end. This will be kind of wrap up, but uh, let's look at verse 15. The word "sick" in verse 15, and the word there is a different word, and it's "kamno." Now, um, and, uh, and this is the uh, participle being weary. And, and it only appears two other times in the New Testament. And in both cases, it clearly refers to growing weary under difficult circumstances. And you can see there, um, the two instances, Hebrews twelve three and Revelation 2, 3. And in both cases, I found this very interesting. The author talks about enduring notice that um for consider him who has endured such hostility <clears throat> da, 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 so you will not grow weary calm down. Yeah, in revelation 23 um and you have perseverance and have endured and have not grown weary so um exactly the same context as what james is talking about um so uh Unlike the word astinao, the word comno is, is never translated as sick. And so I'd have to say that this is probably a poor translation here. Um, and, and it would be good to write the word weary above the word sick in verse 15. But in the English, that repetition of the word sick just kind of helps right. know, embed the idea mm-hmm. that we're talking mm-hmm. physical sickness and physical healing. But, yeah. So... So let's draw these verses all back into the context of James. So we can ask the same sort of question we asked earlier on verse 13. Does it really fit James' major theme to be instructing believers in a formula for physical healing? Um, and and we could ask, James really write an entire letter about enduring trials with patients and then say, uh, oh, and by the way, if you're sick, uh here's the way to end that right now. You know, this... This trial doesn't require endurance. Um I'll let I'll let you answer that question in your in your own mind. We'll just let that hang there. Um But uh I, I left two points um uh I mentioned two points that we were gonna come back to now. And um the first is that in verse 13 we asked, what does praying for wisdom have to do with being in a trial? Um and I I wanted to leave that until now because I think that what the elders in verse fourteen um, are are praying is fundamentally the same thing, only they're praying it for this believer rather than and him praying for himself as in as in verse thirteen. But the other point was that uh, we want to think about the imperative command in in verse eight, strengthen your hearts, and see how that is related to praying for the one who is without strength. Now. I think that what we have here, as I've alluded to and kind of said is that is that we what we have here is a believer who is floundering in the midst of a long term trial. Um, he has not strengthened his heart as commanded in verse eight, and now he's without strength to endure. and so instead of being uh cheerful or or uh, or courageous um, I- encouraged. In the midst of the trial and uh, counting it all joy, which takes us back to the beginning of this letter, um, he's finding himself like Job saying, why me, God? I don't deserve this. And I think that these thoughts can can both be answered with this question, um, or, or this question leads us into the answer to these two points. What wisdom are we to pray for that will strengthen our hearts? What wisdom are we to pray for that will strengthen our hearts? Um, and as, as Christians, as those who are in Christ, isn't the knowledge of the fact of our living union with, with Jesus Christ what strengthens our hearts? Um, over and over, uh, Paul uh, tells us what he's praying for fellow believers. And I didn't have as much time to study this out as I would have liked, but, but there's something that always seems to be at the core of it, the wisdom of the knowledge of Christ. And uh, there's a prime example in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, there it is, uh, verses 15 through 21, and, and notice that it is the knowledge of Christ uh, that leads to the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. So Paul is, is praying for them that they would have a, the knowledge of him and that that is what, uh, uh, produces the power or the strength, um, to, uh, to endure if we were to apply this to, uh, to James. Um, frankly, I, I put this prayer on the screen because I, I think this, Would be a very appropriate prayer for uh, elders to pray for a believer who finds himself without strength in a trial. Um, You know, you could just take this and look at that, be like, "Yeah, this is what I could pray for someone who is is finding himself weak uh, under trial." So, yes, right. Uh, A parallel passage is Hebrews twelve three. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. James, yeah. Isn't that something? It's not the same words, but it's the yeah. same things. Yeah. Thanks, Roy. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Consider him, right? Consider him who endured, it's, it's his life, right? That's, it's not, it's not our strength. When we, you know, we could take that, that James, uh, five, uh, eight, you know, uh, strength in your hearts as a, as a bootstraps type thing, you know, get, get ready and be strong in yourself. Well, um, that's, that's going to be a failure, right? The strength that we are to, uh, strengthen ourselves with is the strength of Christ, and we do that by, uh, um, by, by knowing Him, by focusing our eyes, our attention on Him. So, um, now we've, we've really only gone through, uh, 13, 14, <laughs> half of 15, and you'll notice that we say that we're getting down to the end of, uh, 18, uh, okay. and, uh, boy, uh, Roger, you may want oh. to. Well, pick up a little bit and do well, a little extra. Well, Miles, are, are you up for uh, teaching next week again? You want to? <laughs> well, I, I I actually can't teach next week again, but I'm going to give a really quick treatment to those verses. Okay. And Roger, I don't know if you want to add on any thoughts maybe in your lesson well, next time, but yeah, well, I, I may do that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna what I'm gonna do, and and I knew this would happen because verse by verse treatment, word by word, it, it takes time to go through, and I don't intend to try to cram that in here but but okay. given the context that we've been through I think that we can um give some quick really quick comments um and and I just kinda wrote some some bullet point things here that will relate to these last verses. Um and I said this if a believer uh in this situation has sinned and it's likely um then he will be forgiven. Um on, on uh, in, in, in context, there, um, and, and that's a First John one nine type of principle at play, I right. believe. Yeah. Right, Miles. No. Just one, one interjection, real quick. Yes. Yes. I, I kind of went through this too a little bit, and one key part is how many people are involved in this prayer meeting. So this, yes. In yes. context, it's not the whole church. It's a person without strength and at least two elders, maybe exactly. more. But that exactly. So that's the yes. key part. That's very key, Roger. It really is. Cause I, I said, you know, in 1st John 1 9, you know, it's confession to God alone. Uh, here we see this to one another, but we have to understand contextually who's involved. And why is it the, why are the elders involved? Well, because frankly, they need to know about this man's state of weakness in order to pray this prayer for him. So he's already confessed. To them when he gave them the phone call and explained the situation. (laughs) You know, this is not a, this is not a, a, what we sometimes think of as a confession session. This is, this is just, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this trial. You know, confession done. Now let's, now let's come, you know, let's come alongside and let's pray. Right. Right. So that's what I think is, is being talked about there. And, um, and, and just some, uh, closing thoughts. Um, that, uh, what it, well, I should make a quick comment on the effective prayer of a righteous man because verses 17 and 18 is just a historical, um, kind of recital of what happened when Elijah prayed. And notice that he could have picked any number of examples where uh, a prophet prayed for healing, physical healing, and James didn't choose that. Right. James chose an example where, uh, Elijah prayed for right. the earth to produce its fruit for the for fruitful uh, for fruitfulness and that I think is what this what James is all about over and over it's about the fruitful production of uh, endurance and um, through trials and, um, and and I'm just gonna say this in in closing as, as believers when we forget the reality of the infinite power of jesus christ who lives in us uh we we need to confess that we need to confess the fact that we've forgotten that essentially and we need to uh begin to count on it once again we need to ask god to strengthen us with the knowledge of his son that's what will strengthen us and and if we find ourselves unable to regain that confidence in our position uh we must call call the elders they must pray for us uh, they need to encourage us and get us back on our feet as fellow partakers in the life of Christ. And, and James says that prayer will accomplish much. That prayer, prayed in faith, will will accomplish much. And I just wanted to add, not to despair, if you find yourself in this type of situation, um, it's it's very important that we discover our weakness. Uh, it's important to learn that we do not have strength in, an, in and of ourselves to endure trials. We do not have the strength. It's, it, the Lord never intended for a trial to prove out your ability to, to withstand it, to endure it. That's not what the Lord is trying to accomplish in the life of a Christian. Uh, the, the, the purpose is that we learn our own weakness, that we discover our own inability and um and we learn rather to depend on him. And so it's it's we could say that we're not looking to escape trials, and we're not even looking to endure trials on in our own strength. But but we are learning to depend on Christ in in the trials, in the midst of trials. And that hopefully kind of summarizes what we're looking at here. So I don't know if I gave a fair treatment to those last verses. Roger. I'm sure you can add some really good comments <laughs> no, on those things next week. No, you did a great job. No, I think you're overall—you <laughs> got the main thrust, and it's great. It's wonderful. I, I knew we would need to deal most critically with verses uh, 14 and 15, where most of the hang-ups are. But I think if we have a proper understanding of those verses, the the other ones fit fairly well. Uh, it, you know, I mean, we 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 have to continue to uh, seek the Lord's um uh the Lord is our as our teacher in this in this regard in this text. But um I feel uh quite uh quite confident that the the uh the way that it fits into the overall text is is uh the way that we've looked at it this morning and and uh and so we continue to to uh to learn but uh-huh. um, do you know of any translations that use a term rather than sick for those The, okay, I, I I didn't, I mean, there's a lot of translations, but the ones I looked at, I believe only one of them differed in verse 15, or four, sorry, four, yeah, 15. I believe in verse 15, they're almost 100% consistent on sick. And, and I don't know why. I mean, it, it is the, 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 the alternate translations, like, like I said, the way we see Paul use it, it is not necessarily specifically physical sickness that that's that is a common translation especially in the gospels i mean we see a lot of sickness healed and that's often the word used there but it's just as it's almost just as common to use it for non-physical um you know weakness so so they're they're just you know i I feel like it's one of those things where the king james translated that way and everybody hesitated to differ (laughs) now let's close in prayer Heavenly Father, we thank you for, uh, what you have, uh, revealed to us in your word. I pray that we would be good, uh, diligent students of the word. Um, not, not ever trying to force fit our own theology. We're so prone to that. Um, but seeking simply what is, what's in the text that you've, that you've given to us. Um, and seeking to understand that rightly. And Lord, we just, uh, we thank you that, uh, for the, for the message that is here. Um, in James, um, very very early in the church's uh, uh, beginning, but uh, already explaining to us the the program that you have uh, in in mind for the church, which is primarily one of of difficulty and suffering, um, in, in large part, so that we would learn dependence on Christ. And there really uh, is is nothing greater for us than to. Learn that He is our life, that, uh, He is our strength, and, and we can be encouraged by that, uh, in the midst of any trial, any, any difficulty, no matter how great it is, uh, He is greater still. He is, uh, all powerful, all wise, and, and He is all loving. He doesn't take us through, you, you, you do not take us through, uh, uh, anything that uh that you do not intend for our good and for ultimately for uh for fruitful production lord we uh we just thank you for that in jesus name amen